finally. The voice in my head told me to build this baseball park and it's done. Hey, you kid! Uh, oh, oh my god! Babe Ruth? That's right, Babe Ruth! <gasps> so when the voice said if you build it, he will come, it was talking about you? No, not me. Uh, oh. Here he comes was right it? now! The Philly Fanatic! The, f the okay, but the, that's... That, he's still, he's a real hey, thing. Look. look who's behind him. It's the San Diego chicken. Remember okay. him? Yeah, fame. Okay. Is it, yeah. yeah, another famous mascot. Yeah, great. Famous, sure. And here comes the San Francisco crazy crab. Everyone hated uh, him. Is it going to just be uh, mascots no, no, no. coming out here, of the corner? Here comes Steinbrenner. Oh, shit. Here he comes. Isn't that great? Oh. Billy Martin. Oh, we're, oh, they're fighting. Guys, no. Don't, no, 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 don't. that's why they're here. They're I'm here fight. to fight. Mm -hmm. Okay. There we go. Every, oh, here comes all the problematic players who oh, didn't no. like it when blacks came into baseball. Isn't that oh, great? This is going to take a while. It will, but first we got to drive nails into these balls and set them on fire. Wow, I'm sure glad I dumped my life savings into this. Well, maybe you should have investigated whether or not it was God or Satan who was telling you to do it. Oh! The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field. This game is a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good, and it could be again. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason. Super, I don't have a baseball nickname. Give me a baseball nickname. The, 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 pa, the, the. The Punisher of Podcast. I'm more than just a podcast guy. The Sultan could... of the Sultan of saying things. And being <laughs> yeah, funny. there we go. I'm Jason, the Sultan of saying things, Harding. <laughs> and I'm Steve, the guy who the Hermit. Shives. Steve the Hermit shives. Sure. On this show, we take a. We take a classic movie and see if it lives up to its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this time around, for the last time, yeah, we're going to take a look at a baseball movie and see if it's good or bad. And what baseball movie are we going to look at, Steve? Quite possibly the baseball movie. Sure. At least for a lot of people. Yeah. It is the, the 1989 classic, Field of Dreams. <gasps> Field of Dreams. That one, yes. That's right. Oh boy, so much crying. Yeah. It's so much crying. It's, so much crying. It's about dads. We, we all have complicated feelings about our dads, don't we? Guns, <laughs> baseball, and being a boomer. That's, but yeah. being an idealized boomer. Oh boy, yeah. That's right. Anyway, hey Steve, do you have any trivia uh -huh. about this baseball movie, Field of Dreams? I do have some trivia. Would you like me to share the trivia with you? Not really. Okay, never but mind. You're going to do it anyway, so I oh, may as well. okay. Yeah. Despite your palpable disinterest, I will share some trivia. <laughs> so, originally, the oh, film... Oh, God. 
Yes. It's like on it's it's like on Perfect Strangers when Larry says, "I have a plan." Um, originally, the film was supposed to be titled Shoeless Joe, which is the title of the novel that it was yeah. adapted from. Mm-hmm. However, the studio insisted on a change after the title scored poorly among test audiences. So they changed the title to Field of Dreams, and after mm-hmm. the title change was official, the director of the movie called W.P. Kinsella, who was the author of the novel, to tell him the news, expecting him to be disappointed because the movie wouldn't be titled the same as his novel. But instead, mm-hmm. Kinsella was pleased because yeah, sure. he said, he said, it came with a check because they got he got some money. Mm-hmm. No, but he's you know he was pleased because apparently. Shoeless Joe was the title that his publisher wanted for his novel. His mm. original title was Dreamfield. No, it wasn't. That's all bullshit. That's, he made that up. It is not. He was counting his money. You whatever. can't prove it. I love I can that. prove it. I'm gonna find him. <laughs> I love that you're. I'm getting this image of like of like the the Kevin Smith version of Gus Van Sant, where he's like sitting next to the camera, just counting his and money, not even paying attention money. to what was going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fine, that's great. He got. It went back, and the, it was almost the stupid title. Really, Dreamfield. Dreamfield isn't a great title. Field of Dreams is a good title. Dreamfield, not so much. It's just it's too short. It's like. But they polled people and they say, hey, we're making a movie about Shoeless Joe. And they, the people they polled were like, oh, I don't want to watch a movie about a man with no shoes. That's that's terrible. Why don't you just give him shoes at the beginning give him of shoes. the movie? Just give him some fucking shoes. God damn it. it. And then other people were like, he's got shoes all through the movie. I don't get it. Or they were like, they were like if he doesn't have shoes, it's his own damn fault. He needs to pull himself up by his bootstraps and buy himself a pair of shoes. <laughs> Why in the world would I want to go watch a movie about a guy with no shoes? No, it's a baseball player. A baseball player with no shoes? Well, I mean, that was his, his nickname. Okay, it's already gotten too complicated. God uh, you, you lost me. You lost me. Oh, he's a ghost. Wait. Okay, so he's a so, ghost, shoeless ghost who played baseball? They, they ain't got shoe stores in heaven? Now you're insulting my religion. I you think can't. my heaven has nothing but shoe stores. You all the <laughs> shoes you want. Golf shoes. Please, sir, shut up. Tennis <laughs> shoes. I tell you what I didn't like about it. Kevin Costner, liberal. Ray Liotta, liberal. James Earl Jones, fucking liberal, and you know what else? I respect. I didn't care for it. <laughs> but they were testing the name; they weren't testing the movie. That well, I, I think. Well, I think it was like you know they they show a test screening and then you fill out the cards and I guess you know maybe some people mentioned like I don't like the title, so it's my impression of a of a movie test audience. I don't like the title. <laughs> okay, so next. Next, uh, so there's that famous shot where Shoeless Joe smacks a line drive right back up the middle and knocks Ray off the mound. That's right. For, for Because he's like, hey, try to hit my curveball. And Shoeless Joe is like, fuck you, and fucking <laughs> knocks it right back at him. Um, <laughs> that actually happened. That's that right. was not planned. That was not a planned shot. Uh, Ray Liotta actually really line-drived Kevin Costner <laughs> during that take. And it worked so well that they just used it in the film. Mm-hmm. So what was the problem with Ray Liotta batting? Oh, well, he bats from the wrong side. If yeah. he's going to be Shoeless Joe, he Ray Liotta bats right-handed in the movie, but Shoeless Joe was 
a lefty, so he they couldn't have him wear a backwards jersey and then just shoot him in reverse. So they at could least have. He's- well, actually, you know what? I I mean, if well, I guess if, depending on if whether they're shooting him from the front or not. If they were shooting him from the back, it wouldn't matter. Uh, it wouldn't even need to be reversed because there was no number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know how incensed I am that they had Shoeless Joe Jackson batting, batting from the right side of the the plate? I mean. Not he at is... all. I'm just tired. <laughs> I don't. I. I. I mentioned. I actually. I mentioned it in my when we when we get to the end and we're doing our reviews. I mean, it's the kind of thing that I notice, but I don't actually care about. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, because I'm a baseball fan and I'm a big yeah. fan of baseball history, and I know Shoeless Joe was uh, not just a left-handed hitter, but one of the greatest left-handed hitters who ever played. He was a southpaw. <laughs> And yeah, and it's like that's you know if you know anything about Shoeless Joe, that's one of the things you know is that he was a left-handed hitter. Um, but I don't care; like it I doesn't affect know. my enjoy. It, I, it doesn't affect my enjoyment of the movie at all. Ruin the movie um, for me. No. Speaking of real people, yeah, in the movie, yeah. Moonlight Graham was a real person. I know. Um, you think most, I don't know? Any, I don't know anything. I, I'm, about I'm this talking. Movie? I'm talking Jesus to the Christ. audience. I'm not necessarily challenging oh, right, you right. personally. I'm, I'm sharing this with the masses. I'm not like trying to catch you in something. Did I you know honestly, it was real? I bet you didn't. I honestly don't know what mood I'm in right now. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I'm, I feel like I'm, I want to be antagonistic for some reason, and I don't know why. <laughs> Anyway, I'm looking forward to exploring it with you. Did Moonlight Graham become a doctor? Uh, yes, he did. All of the uh, major biographical details about him in the movie are taken from his mm-hmm. real life. Yeah. Um, and in fact, in the original novel, it's all pretty much exactly true to life. Now, they do change some dates in the movie. Um, in real life and in the novel, Moonlight Graham's one major league appearance took place in 1905, and he died in 1965. And in mm-hmm. the movie, they move it up a little bit. So yeah, his major league 70s, appearance, yeah. yeah, his major league appearance is in 1922, and he dies mm-hmm. in 1972. So it's mm-hmm. a little closer to the present day of the movie in 1989. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like and, the fact that yeah. they they totally ignored. When he became a serial killer. Yeah, because that it's just it's a distraction. But if you want to know more about that, then watch the movie Dr. Giggles. It's the same person. Yeah, it's the same guy. People don't know that. Now that is some trivia. That's the exact same guy. Do I need um, to be more careful with my jokes? Do you think someone's gonna walk away from this going, and did you know that Moonlight Graham was a serial killer? Was Dr. Giggles? He was Dr. Giggles. And and he actually, you know, he he looked a lot more like Dr. Giggles than he looked like Burt Lancaster, but you know. Or or what's um, his name? The little kid. The Frank Whaley, yeah. Frank Whaley, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so also the uh the scene in the movie where Terrence Mann is interviewing people who knew Doc Graham is based on something that the original author, WP Kinsella, actually did when he was researching the novel. He actually went to Minnesota where Doc Graham was from and interviewed mm-hmm. people who remembered him. And then uh, some actual people who knew him are in that scene in the movie. Uh, the people that James Earl Jones is talking to in the bar in those scenes when he's interviewing people about mm-hmm. Moonlight Graham, uh, they actually came to Iowa where they were shooting the movie from Minnesota to be in the movie. So that's kind of neat. That's neat. Yeah. Um, yeah. The final aerial shot of cars lined up for miles to see the field was accomplished by having people from the nearby town of Dyersville line up on the road and uh, voluntarily get into into a traffic jam pretty much yeah yeah they be, <laughs> be, because because they needed to get the shot and you know they couldn't have the cars and the, the the shot is that the people are just now arriving 
Mm -hmm. uh, so they couldn't just have people driving all the way up because the shot needs to be that only the first car is like getting there as we dissolve to that big wide aerial shot. So the yeah. way they did that was they had all the people in the cars line up and then the cars in the distance would just remain still but would switch their headlights from low beams to high beams to mm -hmm. simulate movement. Mm -hmm. um, and then the cars that were like right at the front of the line would pull in to, you know, make it seem sure. like they were arriving. Um, and also they blacked out the lights from the town mm -hmm. uh, so that there were just the only lights in the shot other than the ball field are the, the headlights of the cars. So yeah, it was, mm -hmm. it was like a, it was like a town effort. They, the, the filmmakers met with the, the local town government and got it all worked out. So they would turn out the lights and people from the actual town were there in their cars. And it was like a big thing. It was pretty cool. Um, and this is I something we talked about. I only picture the yeah. in-movie arguments of the people, <laughs> of the people of the, in the cars. The people in the cars, because they what have are parking, we doing here? They have parking for like fifteen people, and there are thousands of people. Oh yeah, driving up to this field. There, there's a line of cars as far as you can see. And you know it's coming a long, to <laughs> long-suffering wife who said, "When you said vacation, I thought Boca Raton, and you convinced me to come to fucking Iowa. And now we're in this. This is a traffic jam. It's nine o'clock <laughs> at night. I don't see anywhere to get something to eat. What the hell is going on? Here we are in the middle of nowhere in Iowa, in the middle of the goddamn night." <laughs> Stuck in because, a line of traffic because you had a dream about something. Jesus Christ! This is the, this Ooh. is it. This is the last time. Because you like baseball. Did you see the town we drove through? There's no hotel there. What are we gonna do? <laughs> what nothing. are we gonna do? I'm not sleeping in the back of this goddamn station wagon. <laughs> is this hell? No, it's Iowa. <laughs> And they, they cut to just strings of spouses leaving, getting out of the car and just walking in the other direction. Just walking walking into the corn. She's <laughs> like, fuck it, I don't care. And, or worse, they start parking in the other farmers' cornfields and destroying their oh, crops. That's perfect. And that's how Ray loses the field. No, that's how Ray gets his revenge on the rest of the town who thinks he's crazy. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, fuck you. How's your crop doing, motherfucker? As the other farmers come running out, no, no, the people in the cars pull out guns. I saw this in my dream, too. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing must stop me from seeing the field. <laughs> and didn't the players just go home for the night? I, I was mean, just going to say gonna that all, all those people showing up are going to be so disappointed. They just missed everybody. Everybody mm -hmm. left. Everyone left. They're just going to see some dork and his dad playing catch. That doesn't yeah, mean that's anybody. True. Oh, is that yeah, his, Joe? No, that's that's John Kinsella. His, Who? His, his dad, non-famous <laughs> baseball player, is the only one there. Mm -hmm. They don't have enough food. What's going to happen? Someone's going to leave with Karen. You know that. Someone's going to leave with their kid. <sighs> See a red door and I have to paint it black. <laughs> it's the darkness in your soul. Okay, is that all your trivia? Um, what one last piece of trivia? Fuck me, God. We talked about we talked about this a little earlier before we started recording. Well, the, then why the do we need to bring it up again? It's just for the patrons. For the people. For the people. Okay, fine. So the field that they constructed for the film is still there, mm -hmm. and it attracts around a hundred thousand tourists a year. Mm -hmm. And in twenty twenty one. Major League Baseball constructed a regulation Major League Ballpark across 
the other on the other side of the field from yep. Field of Dreams field, mm-hmm. and they held a special Field of Dreams game. That's right. Uh, where the Chicago White Sox defeated the New York Yankees nine to eight, and I watched that game, and it was actually a really great game. It could not Good. possibly have been any better because it was like a really exciting game that went down to the ninth inning, um, and the White Sox won, which is you know hopefully that's who you'd be rooting for if you were there for the Field of Dreams stuff. You don't want the Yankees to win the Field of Dreams game. You want the White Sox to win. And they make them wear um, old timey yeah. uniforms yeah and okay. kevin costner was there and the kid then the players came out you know from the cornfield and it was it was perfect um and then they had another one the following year where it was the cubs versus the reds and the cubs won four to two and uh they're not going to do one this year because apparently there's construction on the site they're building like a youth baseball facility on the site in addition to the ballpark so mm-hmm. they're not doing they're not doing one this year but they may do one not to mention you got to get those fast food restaurants out there you oh need god to, yeah you got yeah you got to get the field hotels dreams. motels not hotels motels that's right go to old, a good old-fashioned motor lodge that's what mm-hmm. i want you need to get those sou- souvenir stands it needs you know where you can pick up baseballs and pictures of that's people right. and stuff that's right all right you gotta you, you know this thing has got to spread like a dropped egg and it just needs to keep growing and growing and <laughs> kicking more farmers out of their farms and whatnot but hey you know what Some i actually i actually don't mind it because here's my reasoning what the fuck else is there to do in iowa farm grow food for the nation steve oh god Feed the people, nation. Feed the people. (laughs) Food for the nation. Give me a break. No, it it would be great if all the food that's being grown around there is for popcorn for the baseball fields (laughs) and whatever garbage. You know the. You know, hey, we make the hot dogs local too. You know, they're half sawdust, just like in 1931. (laughs) It's vintage. It's it's authentic. Yeah. All right. Is that everything? That's everything. That's all I got. Has destroyed a town and taken it over. And, you know, Major League Baseball is now milking it like a fucking dying cow. (laughs) I mean, if if the shoe fits. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Can I talk about who made it now? I would love for you to talk about who made it. Great. It was directed by Phil Alden Robinson. Then he directed some other stuff like The Sum of All Fears and Sneakers and nothing else. It was also screenplay by him. Good for you. Did he do others? I don't give a shit. Based on Shoeless Joe. (laughs) By W.P. Kinsella. Now, I need to ask you this question because I didn't research it. Okay. Did he name the character in the story after himself? I believe he did. Yeah. Or did Phil Alden Robinson go, hey, there's no named characters in this. I better come up with something. And so he just named the main characters after the author of the short story no i think the names are taken from the from the from the book okay whatever weird it would be like if i wrote a short story and i named a character after myself or You've if stephen king wrote no why have you done that i oh that's i my character my characters are always only myself okay right. explicitly me my name Great. my life everything okay produced by lawrence gordon who's done 48 <laughs> hours Predator, Die Hard, and Bougie Nights. Um, and also oh. Charles Gordon, who did Die Hard, and The Rocketeer, and Waterworld. Boy, they, oh, well, hey, they can't all be winners, can they, Charles? They're, they're brothers, and they went weird directions. One went the one <laughs> way, and the other went the other way. <laughs> Starring Kevin Costner as Ray Kinsella. Do I? 
You know who he is? I'm not yeah. stop it. Amy Madigan is Annie Casella. She's in movies like uh, Places in the Heart and Uncle Buck and Gone Baby Gone. Gabby Hoffman is Karen Kinsella, and she's all grown up now. And she's in things like Wild, and I think she played the daughter in Transparent. She's still an actress. I'm stopping. You're done. <laughs> I don't know. You're done. Gabby, oh, you already did her. You're, James you already Jones did her. It's Terrence Mann, and he's Darth Vader, and that's Man. all he's ever done. Not the Lion King. Not, not a not an honored and storied career on stage Mm-mm. he's done this movie star wars and the lion king and that's it and also he was cnn um i'm not going to explain that i don't even know if they're still using his this is cnn on cnn i hope they paid him a lot of money i hope they did just too. to say that right ray leota is sure as joe jackson and you know him from goodfellas and what was the one what was something wild something wild yeah this is a big one, and um, he was in one of the Hannibal Lecter movies. Got he brains. was in Hannibal, yeah. yeah. He got his brains eaten out, and he's dead now. Yeah, I don't like thinking bad. about it. Yeah, Timothy Busfield is Mark, and he was in the West Wing quiz show and 30 something. You remember that show, everybody? No, good. It was Kelly- a big deal at the time, but we've completely yeah. forgotten about it. Kelly <laughs> Caulfield Park is D, and she's been in Jerry Maguire and Scary Movie. Burt Lancaster is Dr. Archibald Moonlight Graham. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no no career yeah. to speak of. I'm leaving it right there. But he was in... <laughs> <laughs> you know who he is. Please don't make me give you the career. I mean, he's made hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of movies, and I think this was his last film. This was his last film, yeah. So you start crying when you're watching it because he's so great. <laughs> he's he just is, so yeah. great. Um, Effortlessly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I bet he didn't have to work it. Let me see the script there. Oh, I can do this right away. I've already memorized it and I'm ready to go. It's like, Jesus, you memorized it already? It's all up here. As an Lancaster, my boy. Frank Whaley is young Archibald Graham, and he was he was one of the guys he got shot in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, and he was he, did. In, he was in the doors and he was in the freshman. And I don't know what he's done lately, and I quite honestly don't give a shit. Dwyer Brown is John Kinsella, and he was in Dennis the Menace Strikes Again. <laughs> well, hopefully he saved his field of dreams. I money. hope so, because he's the weakest link in this fucking movie. Uh, <laughs> Lee, <laughs> Lee Garlington is Beulah Gasnick. Nothing. Michael Milhone is Buck Weaver, and he was in The Rocketeer and Christmas, Crimson Tide and Bullworth. Steve Easton is Eddie Chikikiku. Eddie... Eddie Sicotti or Chicote, depending on how you yeah. pronounce it. And he's been in 150 mood television and film roles. None of them amount to anyone. He's Hollywood glue. He just shows up and he's a good character actor. One day mm-hmm. he'll get he'll make he'll get that movie and he'll get his Oscar, whatever That's it is. That's right. Charles Hoyes is Swede Risberg nothing and Art LaFleur as Chick Gandil. Too many things to list. He's been in a ton of shit. Um, but oh, just yeah. too many things to list. Cinematography by John Lindy, and he's done movies like Bewitched and Pleasantville, and You've Got Mail. Um, edited by Ian Crawford. Nothing. Music by James Horner. You uh, everything. He's <laughs> he's dead and he's done a lot of stuff, but just pick him one out of the grab bag. 
Humanoids from the Deep production company. The Gordon. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I love it. I'm going to play this while standing on his fucking grave. I mentioned you, but only Humanoids of the Deep. <laughs> Do something about it. Oh, Do wait, something that's to right. fight me. Um, where was I? Production company, the Gordon Company, distributed by Universal Pictures in the United States and Coralco Pictures International. Release date, May 5th, 1989. My birthday. Yeah, it is. Also Cinco de Mayo Day. Yay, but mostly Yay. my birthday. Mostly it's Steve's birthday, sure. In fact, if he hears anybody in town celebrating Cinco de Mayo on his birthday, that's when he actually leaves the house to yell at them. To <laughs> Stop take celebrating down unless you're specifically time. celebrating my birthday. Mm-hmm. No, what happened was it, this was my ninth birthday, and I begged my parents to take me to see Field of Dreams, and they refused. No, you didn't. So it, no, I didn't. Of course I didn't. <laughs> You didn't give a shit. <laughs> I didn't even know this movie existed until a few Unless years ago. Unless one of the stars out. was he or man, you weren't interested in going to go see it. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Running time, 107 minutes. Budget, 15 million. Adjusted for inflation, 36.3 million. Costs a lot of money to have people strand themselves on a one-way road to a nowhere field. <laughs> had to you rent gotta, a helicopter. You got to pay them something. Um, box office, 84.4 million or 204.7 million, which made it a hit and it made its money back and everyone got all weepy and it became everyone's favorite film, baseball movie, even me. Um, so there, okay. Do we even have to do the recap? A guy builds a field, the ghosts come. Ghosts show up, and then he finds out it's all for his daddy. They play catch. Jason cries and falls on the floor. The end. <laughs> Pretty tight summary there. I like it. I know. Isn't it good? Anyway, Steve, you ready to go running into Iowa? Yeah, let's give Iowa a try. Is that the state motto? Isn't that from the music man? I think we ought to give Iowa a try. I don't know. I like music. You don't like musicals. Why would you know that? I've seen it more times than. It probably is. Let's give Iowa a try. It, it really does sound like it's defeated. Like you've tried every state. <laughs> let's give Iowa a try. Fuck. You say, let's give Iowa a try. You've just been kicked out of Montana and you say, let's <laughs> give Iowa a try, I guess. <laughs> you've gotten kicked out of montana it's not like harrison harrison ford has personally shown you to the border on in his helicopter in his helicopter i want you out of here i don't want to see you back in montana ever again i'm sorry what are you <laughs> going to tell me beef it's what's for dinner next <laughs> oh boy God damn, I don't... that hurts don't it <laughs> <laughs> well i'm sure not gonna show you my dick See, most people with Sam Elliott, they go to the Big Lebowski, but not me. Yeah, I go no, to Roadhouse. You go to Roadhouse. I go to Roadhouse. So no one gets the reference. <laughs> well, <laughs> sometimes they're just for me, you know? Sometimes know. they're just for me. Most, most times they're just Pretty for me. Pretty much all the time. Yeah, all if, the time. If, if somebody else picks up one of them, I'm like, oh, yeah, you saw that too. <laughs> all right, you ready? You ready to yeah. Iowa? Let's give Let's Iowa do a it. try, shall we? Let's give Iowa a try. I, he I hear they have one thing that might interest Let's me. <laughs> Let's <laughs> leave now, though, so we beat the traffic. Honey, please, I had a dream. Can we please go to <laughs> Iowa? Please, Honey, honey. please, I had a dream. <laughs> I had a dream, too. I dreamed we was going to have a nice, happy married life. How'd <laughs> that can. work out? We will, I promise. <laughs> 
please let me go to this place that I had a dream about that I'm really not certain what's there. And once we get there, our whole marriage will be fixed or something. I don't know. <laughs> Iowa then, will fix everything. Now that should be the state motto. <laughs> Iowa will fix everything. Iowa will fix everything. Mm-hmm. Iowa, your marriage is safe. <laughs> At home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think's going on with Mark? I know it was a baseball race. Mark who? I chose no, what's his name? The the brother-in-law. Oh, the brother, the Timothy Busfield guy. Yeah, what's going on with him? Is he having an he's, existential he's probably, crisis? He's, he's probably in prison he's for securities fraud. Fakely <laughs> trying to drink a bourbon while all these cars show up. Oh, you mean like at the end of the movie, like when the cars at the show end up? Of the movie, yeah. Oh, he's oh he's he's collecting that twenty bucks a person. Oh, he's he gonna heard, be running out there with a sack. He heard Terrence Mann say, well, of course you can come and look around. It's only $20 per person. And they'll hand over the money without thinking about it. So Mark yeah, is out there taking that he's money. He's saying it's $100 a person. He's like, yeah, you get a little bit, a little bit of a, you know, you got, you got to mark it up a little bit, make some profit, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. $20 is what Ray gets to keep. The rest of it is overhead and labor and et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Yeah. Because he's yeah. a scumbag. Mark is such a scumbag, isn't he? Mark is actually, you know what? Mark gets a, we can talk about this later. Yes. But Mark gets a bad rap. I think he's, he's not, genuinely concerned yeah. about his sister. G- given and, the fact that he does not see the baseball ghosts until literally the last scene of the movie, mm-hmm. he behaves completely reasonably. Yes, absolutely. He suffers a trauma. His niece almost died. Then a, a Burt Lancaster magically appears from nowhere. <laughs> out, out of thin air. Because he didn't see the other version. Because he doesn't see the players yet. That's so right. As far That's as right. he knows, an old man just materialized Magic, out of thin air. appeared along with a bunch of baseball dudes and comes up, saves, the, saves <laughs> his niece's life. That he is partially responsible for getting her into that situation. Yeah. And then walks into a cornfield and disappears. <laughs> and everybody acts like it's just a normal thing that happens. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised he just doesn't hang himself in the house. Just like, Mark, Mark, where did you go? You just see the, you just see the legs swaying back and forth in the shot. <laughs> He's standing there with the, on a chair. My reality is uh, unraveling right in front of me. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Annie, but I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> Almost killed my niece, and, and it turns out that all the whole baseball field is just filled with old timey baseball guys, and then a magic doctor who looks like Burt Lancaster saved her life and disappeared <laughs> in the cornfield. <laughs> Don't worry, I got life insurance. Just tell them this happened by accident, okay? And my daughter, my kids, and my wife. Just tell them this happened by accident. You're hanging yourself in my house, Mark. <laughs> That's my bathrobe cord. What are you doing? <laughs> Just come out and watch the game. What? What if this is an end of what if aliens are doing this? What if it's aliens and this is how they're gonna take over the world? It's like, come and watch the game. And everyone just comes. They implant them with their alien seed. And they go back out into the United States. So it's like a, it's like an invasion of the body snatchers crossover. Kind of, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why they disappear when they walk into the corn. They just dematerialize. You beam them back up to the ship. What did you do? <laughs> what is baseball? Explain. They, wait, wait. Do they honestly think that you're from heaven? <laughs> 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 you right, know let's... you were batting from the wrong side of the plate, right? Your guy is a lefty. <laughs> they don't they don't care. 
right, anyway, Steve, let's do please, it. Please take it away. All right. First, we get a little, uh, this is your life about our main character who tells mm-hmm. us that his father's that, name was John Kinsella. That's right. And, and he, he played, yeah, go ahead. He's super old. He's super old. He was already an old man by the time our hero, Ray Kinsella, was born in 1951. Yeah, and he was super he happy because he loved he the White Sox. He fought in World Sox War One, and he played baseball, and he loved the mm-hmm. White Sox, and then he loved the, the Yankees when they moved to the East. And then he his son grew up, and it was the 60s, and he turned into an ungrateful little shit, and they became estranged. And then he met Amy Madigan at college, and they were the same age as they are. Fucked her a lot. (laughs) Probably fucked her a whole bunch, and they got married super quick. And good for him. You know, good for him and good for her because Kevin Costner is, you know, is, is, is a good looking dude. So good for both of them. Yeah. They're attractive people who found each other and they had a happy life until they had children and it was inevitably ruined. Is she attractive? I think she's cute more than attractive. Don't get me wrong. I I think she's attractive to me, but I don't, she's not conventionally attractive. She's not like, you don't look at her and go look at that supermodel, but yeah, she's, I think she's very attractive. Some of the things that I really like in this, this whole monologue that he's giving to nobody are some of the pictures that they fabricated. Like there's, there's one where he's talking about his dad became what, what a merchant Marine or something. And it's just, Oh yeah. And he's like standing on a dock and it's obvious not, that he was not smiling, just kind of staring down the, the lens of the camera. My favorite is the obviously faked uh, picture of them standing in front of Ebbets field. Yep. Yep. That's it's like, great. that's not a real picture. Nope. <laughs> nope, it's not, but that's when we find out. You know, they got married, and then a little bit later, they had a bubba, and then his dad died and never met his wife, and then she convinced him to buy a farm. Right, because she's from Iowa. That's right. So and they moved back to where nowhere. her people are from. He's from nowhere. He's and now nothing. they have a And now they have a farm in Iowa. Yay! And we cut to the farm, and, yeah. and it's the golden hour. Of course it is. And Ray's just walking around his corn going, I could have sworn I saw children in here somewhere. Just doing then, something. <laughs> is that what he's doing? I was always, yeah. what is he doing? Well, he's, you, looking you for the know corn. he's looking for the children yeah. of the corn. You have to put up traps to keep the children of the corn out of your corn. You'll, you'll be overrun if you don't. And then got to mm. bait it with some Skittles or something and make sure something. that it's something that it's the a, kids like. Yeah. It's a snap trap. Don't use a glue trap. Those are cool. Yeah. You got to make it quick. Finish him off, you know. Anyway, he's out there just wandering around on his corn, and he hears the voice. And what does the voice say? If you build it, he will come. And he's like, what? Who's that? Who said that? Who are you? Looks around, looks back at his house, his daughter and his wife are on the swing porch. It wasn't them. And then he hears it again, and he's like, I'm hearing voices. Oh, my God. It's the first scene, and I'm already crazy. It's time for me to go to an insane asylum. But he goes home, of course, because he's a good person. He tells his wife. Yes. She's like, we did way, way too much acid. Yeah. You know what this is. We both know what this is. We both know what this is. (laughs) It's like your way of winding down. Acid was your like glass of scotch at the end of the day. So he goes out to the farm place where all the farm people go. To buy their gingham and steed and whatever the their coveralls, yeah. 
and he's talking to someone who says, hey, do you hear voices out in the corn? And everyone gets real quiet. And you know what that means to me? They all yeah, hear all, voices. All yeah. of them hear voices. They all hear voices. But they're what not do your hearing. voices tell you to do, Mr. Gein? <laughs> this is my ninth wife. Do you like my vest? <laughs> anyway, he goes back out to the field and yep. it does it again. But this time yep. it gives him a little picture. Yeah, it gets some visual aids. And he sees <laughs> he sees a baseball field with lights. Geez, thanks yeah. for adding adding on to the expense of this. And there's a guy standing out there. Yeah, and he recognizes the guy. It's Ray Liotta. Yeah, and he's like Ray Liotta from Goodfellas that hasn't come no, out yet. So I wouldn't know that. He's no. not in. Yeah, it's no. He he recognizes it. Recognizes the person as Shoeless Joe Jackson, who just so happens to have been his dad's favorite baseball player. Holy mm-hmm. shit, what are the odds? So he gets done fucking his wife and he's like, mm-hmm. hey, you know what? I think these voices are telling me to build a baseball field and Shoeless Joe Jackson will show up and then they have sex again. I'm only assuming that. Because yeah. she's, well, that's just in the uncut version that there's a lot like more sex. She's the like yeah. the most supportive, understanding wife oh, yeah. in she, the world. Because she, if I came yeah. home and I said, hey, I heard voices and... um." I need to build a movie set in the backyard so that Humphrey Bogart will come. I would be institutionalized immediately. There would be no discussion. That's right. There wouldn't be. Yeah, it wouldn't be like you'd sit down and go, so why do you think you need to do this? I don't know. I mean, I like Humphrey Bogart, but I mean, he's not like my super favorite. But I know that the voice is telling me that the I voices to, are telling me. Yeah, I have to build. I, it's telling me to build it. And I know I got to build it. And I don't want to become like my dad. And my wife would be like, you love your father. Oh, yeah, I do. That's right. I do, don't I? And, and he's still alive. Mm. <laughs> what am I doing this for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because unless we haven't established it, yeah, I think we we said it. His dad's his daddy's dead. His dad's right? dead, and there were unresolved issues between them. But um, she says, yeah, "Yeah, I'll do it, and let's have sex again." And they're like, "Okay." And so now we get a montage of him plowing over his fields. Yep, and, and talking building to his, a baseball field, and yeah. talking to his daughter about Shoeless Joe Jackson. Yeah, and unlike other children, she seems engaged. Yeah, she's a, actually a good kid. Not She's a rotten, t- lousy kid. Because he's turned her into a baseball weirdo, just like him and me and Steve. Yeah, yeah right? exactly. That's why I like her. She's one of us. And, mm-hmm. you know, she feeds him questions that allow that allows him to share some exposition for anybody in the audience who isn't hip to mm-hmm. who Shoeless Joe was or why anybody should give a shit. Um, you know, and by the time this montage is over, we have a little primer on Shoeless Joe and we got a baseball field in the middle of the corn. That's right. And him and his wife are out there drinking wine, probably already had sex. And he's like, I've created something stupid that's bankrupting us. (laughs) I've created a great big rock around our necks. Oh, boy. (laughs) And he keeps expecting someone to show up. And then it becomes becomes winter. And we get to see him in a horrible sweater that has shamrocks on it. And it's like, it's Christmas time. What the fuck are you wearing? Are you so fucked up? And he said, leave me alone. Because Shoeless Joe didn't show up on your fucking (laughs) baseball field. Staring forlornly out the window Mm -hmm. as the relatives are all there having Christmas dinner. He's just like staring, staring, staring at the Mm -hmm. snowed over baseball field. Mm -hmm. He's written Shoeless Show 15 times with a pen knife into his thigh. And they go, people walk (laughs) over and they're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Annie Annie told us about this. It's okay. It's fine. (laughs) 
It's fine. Um, anyway, uh, baseball season is back. We can tell because the TV told us. Yeah, they're it's watching just, the baseball on the TV. No, they're not. Nobody's watching the baseball on the TV. Well, and that's yeah. right. Baseball should be in person or on the radio. That's it. Anyway, no TV. That's just, that's just me. Um, I, uh, Annie and and Ray are fucking not meeting their bills from no. the loss of the corn right because they, they, they spent their yeah. savings on building the field so they have no savings to fall back on and mm-hmm. they're not making enough from the crops or they won't or they they project that they won't make enough when they find when the crop comes in that they won't be able to keep the farm because mm-hmm. he had to build a baseball field yep but then his daughter comes out and said, there's a baseball man out on your baseball field. And he goes out there and he sees, and there's a guy standing out on the baseball field. Yeah. And, and he goes, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out there, I guess. And he goes out there and he turns on the lights because he installed lights for his baseball field. And who's there, mm-hmm. Steve? It's Shoeless Joe. That's right. He's standing He's not, in right field. Not really talking. But no, not much. Then Ray starts hitting some balls out to him so he can catch him then he comes in and he says can you pitch and then we get the first monologue and here's one of the things i want to talk about now yes as somebody who's played baseball boy a lot of these monologues are really on point they were obviously written by somebody who's played baseball of course i mean because he's talking about you know he's the, the shoeless joe picks up a bat and he's talking about you know the thrill of the grass when you run out and you're you're going to be playing baseball yeah. because it is there is there is smells i'm not talking about astroturf anyone played on astroturf go go away but you know you it, it smells like a fresh cut lawn because it is yeah. you get the drifting smells of anything from the ballpark even even in little league you would still have like a concession stand that's selling hot dogs and oh yeah popcorn and shit you know he's talking about the thrill of the grass and then he says something that man alive when he says have you ever held a mitt or a ball your face a ball up to your face yeah and boy oh boy if anybody has ever played baseball for a period of time yeah that's something that everybody has done and it is such an immediate smell to people who to, to people who aren't baseball fans it probably sounds incredibly weird yeah but but the smell of a new baseball is one of my favorite smells in the world mm-hmm. there's nothing baseball. else like it there's mm-hmm. nothing else like it or a well-maintained um, mitt because it never misses yeah. that that leather Absolutely. smell you know and and yeah there's something about you know when you're standing on a baseball field and you're playing especially if you're in the outfield because mm-hmm. the outfield is just this expanse of grass and there's nothing else quite like it. Like, even if you, like, I was lucky enough to grow up in a house where we had a pretty, a decently large backyard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doesn't compare, not the same feeling to standing nope. in the outfield on a baseball field. Mm-hmm. It I was fans a, out. I was it's a right you. fielder. Yeah. 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 It's you and two other people. And the mm-hmm. other two people are way far away from you. And then oh, plus yeah. there's a whole bunch of there, there's a whole bunch more people down in the in, in the infield. But if you're an outfielder, it's you and two other people spaced way out in this huge yard. And you know that you're gonna get to run in this yard. Like you're it's mm-hmm. an uh, it's a great unobstructed open space. And mm-hmm. there's just something th- just innately thrilling about that. And you know that something's about to happen. You know, yep. you're always you're you're always seconds away from something happening, and you don't know if the ball's going to come to you or it's going to come to one of the other guys in the outfield or if it's not going to get anywhere close to you you have to be ready 
because you know something's going to happen at any mm-hmm. second. And there's just something incredibly thrilling about that. And I never even played organized ball. I only ever played like with friends and pickup games and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, you have that feeling of, you know, something's going to happen, you know, and I need to be ready and it might come to me. What if the ball mm-hmm. comes to me? Am I going to be able to get there in time? Am I going to be able to catch it? If I get it, do okay, let me see. We have a guy mm-hmm. on, there's a guy on first. So I need to throw, you know, like it's, yeah, there's nothing like you know it. who there's your cutoff, like cutoff guy is. If you yeah. played organized ball, then you've also memorized. Okay, so this guy is hit to right field to me, or potentially to me, this many times. He doesn't have enough power to right. hit it all the way out. Um, he has a tendency to either hit it short or hit it long. So you're getting ready ready to move you know that well and and ray even says that later on in the movie we haven't gotten it yet but there's the scene later on in the movie when they have other players there and ray is again talking to his kid about it Mm -hmm. and telling her about how you know because he uh, has nobody else because he has nobody else that you know one of the shoeless joe is a smart defensive player and Mm -hmm. he's going to pay attention and be able to read the catcher signs so he'll know what pitch is coming next and he'll know okay so you know the the next pitch is a fastball and this hitter tends to hit fastballs over in this direct like he he can have an educated guess as to where the ball is going to go so he's ready he's primed so when the ball goes he's not caught flat-footed he can go whatever direction he needs to go in to make the play as quickly as possible Mm -hmm. Um, yeah but yeah there's it's obvious that it's not it's not it's not just like flowery poetry you know it's it's the kind of things that if people have played baseball they'll recognize it Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, he hits some balls out to, to Joe. He catches them. He comes in. He asks him if he can pitch. He says, sure. Um, he goes line out. Line drives him. Line drive. <laughs> line, the, this, I think you mentioned this um, yeah. on the on the Patreon stream, but uh, the the ball that he hits that hits the <laughs> that hits the ball bag and line drives it directly at him was unplanned. Yeah, um, that was real. That was real. And Costner um, stayed in character to his of credit. He did. Yeah, because like, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is I don't, his yeah. best performance in a movie. And I've I seen a lot of Costner. I've yeah. seen a lot of Costner films, and for whatever reason, this is the one where I actually believe he's playing a character. I think it 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 plays to all of his strengths as an actor. I yep. think that's it's it's the perfectly matched character to his strengths as an actor. Yeah. Yep. 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 Anyway, so he hits a few balls. Um, he's gonna, he's kind of winding it down, turning it in. Um, he gets to meet, uh, Karen and Annie. Um, you know, I love how he, he says, hello, ma'am to, to Annie. And he, he just says, Hey, to the little kid. Right. Yeah. Um, he says, you know, there were more of us, you know, there were um, eight of us, there were eight of us. And he says, yeah, I made this place for you. And he runs off. And he dis, you know, he disappears into the cornfield, and they're like, "How are we going to keep this place?" Oh my god, <laughs> we have to keep it, right? We can't get rid of it now. Mm-hmm. Cut to they're sitting around a table. Annie's mom is there, and her sister-in-law, and Mark. And Mark, Mark is her brother, and Mark works at the bank. And Mark is genuinely concerned about them being able to keep the house and keep the farm because yeah. they're running out of money. And, you know, they're they're having a kind of a serious conversation about it, but they don't care because the baseball guys have showed up. Yeah. And so, you know, Karen comes up and says, the baseball guys are here. And he's like, great. And they come out and it's it's the guys who all got banned from baseball. Yeah. The Black Sox. Yeah. The Black Sox. Um, They come out. 
they see the field and then they get excited and they just start doing baseball shit. You know, no, yeah. not organized play. They're just, you know, horsing around, yeah. hitting stuff to each other, you know, arguing back and forth with each other about shit. Uh, they're being baseball guys. You know, when we saw Shoeless Joe, he was kind of spooky, you know, not really talking, kind of quiet. Yeah, and he remains that way for the rest of the movie. Like he yeah, always he has does. kind of like a quiet quality to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But these guys, they're not quiet. They cuss in front no. of each other. One of them, the you know, the the uh the uh, uh catcher, you know, nudges a guy who says, The kid, yeah. the kid. watch your mouth in front of the kid. <laughs> and he says, sorry, kid. She says, it's okay. I've heard worse. Mommy and daddy fuck almost every night. And oh, my God, the things they call each other. <laughs> cool. Thanks, kid. So you can say as much up to you wanton fucking whore. And I will. That doesn't bother me. <laughs> you I hear want- it. I hear it like three times a day. Just imagine Kevin Costner screaming, you wanton fucking whore at the top of his lungs. Take all of me. I don't even know what that means, but they sure Take all scream. of, what does that even mean? Where is he taking it? Yeah, but they fuck like at three o'clock in the morning and then again at 11 and, you know, just anything. <laughs> I'm going to be all kinds of messed up when I'm older. If they drop it, if they drop a dish, they're fucking about it. I don't. I guess they do that instead of fighting. I don't. But it's okay. I understand. I'm fine. I'm normal. I'm well adjusted. And the baseball players are great about it. They're like, "Oh, thanks, kid." Yeah. But Mark comes out with uh, the mother-in-law and the sister-in-law, and they're like, "Well, it's not really a game because they don't have another team. It's more like a tryout." And Mark's like, "Oh, Jesus Christ, what's happening to my? What's happening here?" Because <laughs> he can't see them. Because <laughs> no, yeah, Mark and the mother and Mark's wife can't see anything. They they yeah. don't see the players. And you know, you know, Annie's Annie's mom gets upset and says, "I don't think it's very funny you trying to make us look like a fool." And Bray's like, "Well, you know what? It doesn't take much." You fucking bitch and she's like well i never and i said that's more than a parent you only had did it twice with your husband to have these two kids only one of them turned out okay and she's like what i bet your husband doesn't even have red hair your children have red hair but i've seen pictures of your husband you don't have red hair where the Who's red their hair real father from? and she's like oh no and she runs off and you know, Mark's wife has her one line. I don't think it's very funny that you're making fools out of people or something. Yeah, go like. do in living color. <laughs> Is she from, did she do Living Kelly, Ke- Ke- Kelly Caulfield. Yeah, Kelly Caulfield. She was an original cast member on a living color. She's really funny. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But they're like, you can't see it. And they're like, no. And they're like, oh, God, it's a, it's a shared illusion. I don't. Oh, no. Oh my God, what's happening to us? Anyway. It's the golden hour. Boy, they like shooting in the golden hour, don't they? Yeah, they do. Players are going in. He's talking to one of them. He's talking about how he hasn't had a cigarette since 1970 and actually asks if, if uh, you know, if Ray has one. He's like, nope. Um, they, and it's also dialogue that proves that they know they're dead because they're talking about yes. when they died. Yeah. You know, he's, he's like, I died in the 70s. So. And he calls him in and they act like baseball players. Hey, time for dinner. It, <laughs> there's a thing about the way they are portraying baseball players that is so fucking genuine. I'm yeah. so glad they're not all acting like Shoeless Joe. Oh, no, no. That's one of the things I like about it. Yeah. Who's just spooky, yeah. right? They go into the cornfield. One of them does a <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Yeah. I'm melting. And uh, as he's walking back, he hears another voice stunning. Yes, he does. And this time it says, sell your 
He's like, what? No, what does the voice say this time? Ease his pain. And instead of like getting the message and being okay with it, he's a little pissed off. Yeah. He's like, what he's is like, this what, now? What does that mean? What haven't I done everything? Was it he complained sir? He said I was having a good day. Yeah. I mean, aside from the fact that Mark told us that we're gonna lose the farm and everything else, I was having a really good day. Yeah, but like that's not gonna happen today. I know? sat all on the bleachers that we made that has no lumbar support. My back's a little sore. And I'm sunburned. I'm really sunburned, actually. Been sitting but. outside all day, like literally all day. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Annie is being extraordinarily understanding about mm -hmm. it. Like, well, Helping him that? talk through it. Ease whose pain? What's the voice want you to do now? Mm -hmm. She complains about how unspecific the voice is. Yeah. And he's like, I know, right? But they got to go to the school. Yeah, because there's some republicans trying to ban books who thought who ever heard of such a thing that would never happen in real life certainly yeah, not no. this year they're they're in an auditorium and there's a bunch yeah. of bunch of fucking people there and this poor goddamn principal i think he's a principal yeah he's either the principal or like the president of the school board it's it's the least realistic part of the movie because the school board actually stands up to the nutcases trying to ban the books instead of immediately folding and doing whatever they want well once upon a time that did happen steve i know right remember this movie is in 1989 1989 now, now they'll just roll over and go please don't accuse us of, of touching your children just do whatever you want to do but they're talking about they want to ban books. And one of the books they want to ban is The Boat Rocker by Terrence Mann. Yeah. Hey, Steve. Yeah. Do you know who the original author that they referenced in this in this story was? I believe it's J.D. Salinger. Yeah. And when J.D. Salinger found out, he got he freaked the fuck out. He freaked out and said, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't, don't mention my name, whatever. And it's like, okay, fuck you. Your book's not that great anyway. Go fuck it yourself. It works out better. I mean, I've never, I've actually, I've never read the original novel, so I don't, I can't compare mm -hmm. them. But I've, to me, it works out like trying to imagine this movie with J.D. Salinger instead of Terrence Mann. Like, I think it works out better this way because then they Much can make, they, they can make the writer into whatever character they need him to be for the story. Mm -hmm. Well, they told him that it was someone who had his name, but wasn't him. And he's still freaked out about it. Like, <laughs> fuck yourself, dude. Whatever. Go write a Any, book. Anyway, we get to do this is something. Well, Ray's trying to figure out what he means. Meet ease his pain. He's trying to figure it out. Annie, in the meantime, brought a gun, or at least she should have. <laughs> She's ready this, to kick some ass on these fucking Nazis in the one in the, bitch the school board meeting. Who's like, like you know why he why he doesn't write anymore because he masturbates. Like, okay, and, first of all, it doesn't take up that much of your day. Like you can still get right. some writing done. I fuck my husband 15 times a day. I don't need to do it. But if Terrence Mann wanted to do it, he can. And they start getting into a fight in in, in which eventually she 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 asks her to step outside. Step outside, you Nazi cow. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the, the whole audience is looking back and forth. But then she convinces the whole crowd, hey, maybe we shouldn't ban books because that's kind of like communism. And also, I'll reference Hitler. <laughs> yeah, it's just bad. Bad people did that. We don't like we don't do. Let's not do what the people we think are bad did. Yeah. But then um, Ray doesn't give a shit about any of this. And He's figured it out. He's got to go. It's he thinks it's Terrence Mann that he has yeah. to go, and so he starts he does, looking up. Yeah, he does Terrence some research. Mann stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he finds an article that Terrence, where he gave an interview, where he was upset about Ebbets Field, and he had a fantasy of playing there, and 
uh, Annie is really not taking all of this terribly seriously. Thank God she makes that she's, joke. She has reached her limit. She's like, oh, I don't think well, I can do the Terrence Mann thing. She's not that bad because she still needs a good dicking every day. But she's, you know, she's kind of like, <laughs> I loved it when she grabs the paper out of his hand. He says, oh, my God, it says right here that when as a kid, he had a, what was it, a bat named Rosebud. A bat named Rosebud. And he's, he's like, like no, nope. that's not what it says. You're making fun of me. But Ray is convinced that Ease's pain means going to go find Terrence Mann. And yeah, she's and like, taking him to a baseball game. And she's like, look, we're running out of money. You know, we can't do this. You just can't leave. And then it turns out they had the same dream about him being at, a, at uh, Fenway. Fenway in Boston. In Boston. Uh, Fenway Park. And they both had the same dream. And he says, OK, I've got to go. I've got to go kidnap him. Or maybe kill him. We'll see what happens. We'll see what the I'm just going to play it by ear. We'll see what happens. Yeah. If the, if the voices say I've got to kill him, then I'm going to kill him. So he drives all the way to Boston. There's this great scene of him trying to rehearse what he's going to say when he meets him, <laughs> because this is obviously a writer that he that they both read when they were both in, you know, fucking yeah. college. Um, then he uh, Columbo's about a bit. My favorite thing, you know, he has this one guy who's unloading a meat truck into a kosher deli. And he's he's like, he's an old friend of mine. And I was wondering where he lived. And he said, if you're such a friend, he would have told you where he lived himself. And he's like, oh, curses. And then him chasing an old woman <laughs> who's saying, I ain't telling you nothing. <laughs> but then some scumbag wearing a Celtic cap at a gas station tells him for yeah. a little pocket uh, uh, money. A snitch mechanic. That's right. A, a mechanic says, stooges out Terrence man. Says walk down that street until you see a door that doesn't have a dead animal in it. He's like, okay. <laughs> so he he goes up there, and it turns out Terrence Mann was like this big writer in the 1960s, right? He was very involved in the 1960s. And then at yeah. some point, he just kind of disappeared, right? He wrote some famous books. It was the boat, the boat rocker that was mentioned at that PTA meeting. Um, and he yeah. goes up there and he wants to talk to Terrence Mann, and he's an angry man who doesn't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. And he's like, fuck off. And then he rings the doorbell again and he crams himself in the doorway and he forces. <laughs> he's like, please just give uh -huh. me a minute of your time. I need to tell you something very important. That's right. And then he quotes one of his books to him and he goes, oh my God, you're from the 60s. And he's like, yeah. And he starts spraying pesticide on him, trying to kill <laughs> Ray. And he kicks him out of the house again. He's very upset. Yeah. Right. He screams peace, love, dope at him. And then. <laughs> and Ray says, I know what I'll do. I'll go back into his home for a third time. And this time mm -hmm. will work because I'll pretend I have a gun in my pocket. That's right. And he's like, that's not a gun. That's your finger. <laughs> and he's like, don't, I'm not going to show you my gun. My and favorite line in the whole movie. He says, well, let me see it. Get out of here. I'm not going to show you my gun. And But I love his his uh terrence's response is uh i'm gonna hit you with this crowbar until you leave <laughs> and ray, he almost ray, does ray reminds him that he's a pacifist and he's like all right are you kidnapping me and he's like yep and he kind of tells him what's going on he says we got to go do this baseball game and he's like you're seeing a team of psychiatrists aren't you? <laughs> um but he gets he convinces them to go they go to the baseball mm -hmm. game we get to know a little bit more about terrence Mann, about how he's tired he did causes 
you know, they, you know, friends of his got, got assassinated um, and that he just wants to be left alone. He wants people to think for themselves. Right. right. And then he says, what do you want? And that's what he says. I just want to be left alone. And then Ray being Ray says, no, what do you want? And they're at the concession. They're at the hot dog stand. There There are three old men standing there cross armed, waiting for them to order with no line. With no line, yeah. <laughs> Nobody's there. And they're just Nobody. like, come on, somebody order a fucking hot dog, please. Mm-hmm. They go out to the game. And then all of a sudden, the main scoreboard on the game goes all weird. Yeah. And he mm-hmm. does he hear another voice? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He Go the distance. Go the distance, that's right. Yeah. He looks up at the scoreboard, and it says, Archibald Moonlight Graham, Chisholm, Minnesota, New York Giants, 1922. And then it's lifetime stats. <laughs> One game, one at bat. <laughs> no, it's one zero. game, one at bat. Zero. At oh, that's bats. right. He never did get a bat. Right. One game, zero yeah. at bats. That's right. Yeah. And he's like, Terry, check that out. And he's like, What? And he's like, You didn't see that? Nope. You hear anything? Just you murmuring to yourself. Okay, we can leave. And he's like, Okay, we'll go. Uh-huh. Terrence kind of tells him, You know, I wish I had your passion, but I just don't anymore. Fuck off. Or no, he's not that mean. He's no. Like, it's they actually they part on decent terms given everything mm-hmm. that's happened and ray, ray is, lies ray lies yeah. and says the voice told him to leave him alone he's done enough right yeah and you're like oh that was pointless but as he's <coughs> turning his volkswagen van around who's standing in its way terrence man what does he say moonlight graham mm-hmm. and kevin Costner's like you fucking liar you piece of shit god i knew you <laughs> saw it you saw it Bang, 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 bang. That's a gun. Bang, 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 bang. Taste the lead from my gun in my pocket. Um, no, and, and he also heard the voice. He says, go the distance. And yep. he's like, well, what does it mean? And Terrence Mann says, it means we're going to Minnesota to find Moonlight Graham. And we got ourselves a buddy picture, everybody. It's Yay. a buddy picture. Yay. And so they're driving, driving, driving. He calls his wife and she's like, make pretending that everything's fine. Meanwhile, three suit gorillas are in there led by her <laughs> her brother we come like, for your farm we want your farm and give us a farm you can keep the house but we want the farm. we want the corn but they get to chisholm they're looking around they're trying to find out who who archibald graham is they meet the oldest living editor in the united states who's at the paper yes. and she's like oh you mean dr graham and they're like no Dummy, we were talking about a baseball player. What kind of doctor is named Moonlight Graham? And she's like, No, no, that's Dr. Graham. We don't listen to you, okay? We want a baseball player. Try to pay attention, old woman. Is there an old man wandering around the town dressed like a baseball man? (laughs) (laughs) Answers to the name Moonlight. But she's like, No, 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 he died in 19. 72? Yeah. 73, something like that. 72, yeah. She gets, she reads the obit that she wrote, which was actually quite good. Terrence Mann tells him that's right, quite good. And she says, oh, you're a good writer too. Because if we didn't cover it. Terrence Mann has given up writing. He, yes. he like makes educational videos about how he children, writes. He writes educational computer programs now. For children to resolve their conflicts peacefully. Yeah. And, and he just wants to be left alone because people like Ray keep doing this to him. Last week, he had to go on a vision quest to find Che Guevara with some <laughs> fucking man whose mind has been blasted away by LSD. He's just so tired of this. Mm-hmm. Wavy Gravy showed up and said, hey, man, can I crack? <laughs> eat all of his food. Told him that they were, <laughs> they were going to go on a vision quest to find the Native Americans. And he just was no, but no, not good. 
Yeah, but this time he starts talking. He goes to the local bar and starts talking to people about Archie Graham. And some of these yeah. are some of really great performances. And the last guy just makes you want to cry. Oh, with the hats. He, yeah. With the hats. Yeah. He's, they, they, he, he was he loved his wife. They were really close and his wife loved blue. So whenever he saw a blue hat, he would buy it for her. And when he died, they were cleaning out his office and found boxes of blue hats that he had never had a chance mm -hmm. to give to her. And it's like, oh, yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, after his investigation, he's like, <clears throat> Is a decent dude. Why are we here? What are we doing here? And then it turns out that the newspapers think that Terrence Mann has been kidnapped because his dad, who must be a billion, has called the cops saying he's gone. So he's got to call him, go talk to his dad. He leaves, Ray leaves, and travels back in time to 1972. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. It becomes a Twilight Zone all of a sudden. Yeah, it does. And, uh, you know, The Godfather's playing. It's one of the 10 best of the year, some bullshit. And he sees he sees a guy walking down the street and it's Burt Lancaster. Yeah. And we we get to watch Burt Lancaster act for like 15 minutes. Yeah. And it's like, boy, he really is quite good, isn't he? Yes, he is. <laughs> he invites him back to, you know, hey, I, I couldn't sleep. Um, so I decided to take a walk. And he leads him to his, his office. And uh, he's like, what do you want? And but he's like hey what if i told you because he asked him about that one time that he played and he just played you know a single inning never got to go to bat right and he said if right. i could have got to bat i would have winked at him and he's like what if i told you that i could take you to a place where you could do that and he'd say that'd be great but i'm not gonna do it and he's like wait i built this whole place <laughs> Yeah, I got a baseball field. I'm gonna knock you out and drag your your ghost body back to my van. <laughs> You're coming with me, old man. You're gonna play <laughs> this game. But he tells him. He says, "You came this close. It would kill most people to not live your dream." And he says, "If I only got to, you know, you've only got to be to live your dream for five minutes." And he said, "If I only got to be a doctor for five minutes." That would be a real shame. Yeah. And he says, I got to get home. You know, Alicia's probably naked and waiting for me. <laughs> and Ray's like, I get it. I get that. <laughs> he goes back and he tells Terrence, he's like, I don't get it. If we're not here to get him, then why the fuck are we here? And he's like, maybe it's supposed to remind you that baseball isn't the most important thing in the world. What? That Shut up. No, how dare you? Shut up. People that aren't baseball players contribute and have lives and shit. No, they He's don't. Like, Shut up. No, they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> he calls his wife and he says, I'm coming home. And Terrence is like, I'm coming with you. And he's like, okay. I'm oh, driving see home. this fucking baseball field you won't That's shut true. up about. <laughs> And there's a hitchhiker and he's yeah. like, hey, guys, pick you. And they're like, oh, we need karma right now because now Ray knows bad stuff's happening with the house. Right. Yeah. Pick up this young guy who looks nothing like Burt Lancaster. He's like five feet shorter than him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not done growing yet. You know, it's just not done growing yet. They pick him up and they say, who are you? And he says, I'm Archibald Graham. And they're like, oh, shit, we got a spook in the car. Bum, bum, bum. We've got a ghost. And they're talking back and forth about how it's funny that he brought up, you know, all the stuff that they don't do anymore. And right. then, you know, he tells him about what happened with his dad. And when he was 17, he read a book. Yes, by Terrence Mann. <laughs> Terrence Mann's like, see, people always try to put their shit on me. Well, I'm tired of it. Fuck and you like, and fuck your dad. Calm, calm down, calm down. It's fine. Everything's fine. But then he said something terrible and left. Yeah. And we cut to that night. And, you know, he finally asked him, 
what terrible thing did you say to your dad? And he said, I don't think I could ever respect a man whose hero is a criminal, meaning Shoeless Joe. Yes. Because if we haven't covered it, the Black Sox scandal where they threw the World Series on purpose, although there was yeah. no evidence against Shoeless Joe that he did anything, right? He right. Had a, his stats for the for those games were great, were, was fantastic. Yes. But he did take the money. So he's not completely guilt-free. Right. Yeah. He was Terrence, involved. Yes, he was. Terrence says, so this is penance for what you did to your poor father. I should shoot you in the face. <laughs> this like, is no, penance no. for saying that mean thing to your dad that one time. That's right, kids. So watch what you say to your dad. Or you're going to wind up doing something like this. <laughs> anyway, they get there. They see that the baseball field lights are on. You know, Terrence gets yeah. to meet the kid, meet the wife, and then they look out there and there's more than just the the white Sox are out there now now there's a bunch of players there's like an all-star team of 1910s and 20s baseball players mm -hmm. that have come to and, play the socks that's right and he's like archibald's pointing him out there's mel ott who's a famous giant player mm -hmm. um and a few other people ray comes up <laughs> this actually may be my favorite line in the movie um because of what he says about uh what's his name about uh oh Fuck, my brain is gone. The infamous baseball player. Um, oh, Ty Cobb, yes. Ty Cobb. It's like Ty Cobb wanted to play, but we all hated him so much in, in life that we, we told him to stick it. We told I him just, to stick it. And it's, it's it. one of the only times we see Shoeless Joe show like some genuine emotion. Oh, he laughed yeah. He, Ty Cobb wanted to play, but we couldn't stand the son of a bitch when he was alive, so he told him to stick it. <laughs> <laughs> like the only thing that makes him happy is fucking over Ty Cobb. <laughs> and yeah yeah just great um they recognize archie they tell him to suit up because he's gonna go out and play and he's like good boy oh boy he's the ninth and, man hmm? for and the, then they for watch the them, yeah and then they watch him play although he's wearing his giants uniform yeah archie gets to go up to bat he gets to do the thing that he always wanted to do to the pitcher which is wink at him pitcher tries to murder him i don't know how you murder a ghost <laughs> Yeah, but yeah I, I, like it's not that dangerous right you're dead already and then i started having other questions like they have they have umpires now they have yeah. a first base they have a first base a third base well, sure. a home can't have umpire. a game without umpire so they're dead umpires so did they go back into the afterlife and there are umpires who just so badly wanted to go back to their umpire life i would love to go back and ump a game that would be great that would be fantastic shut up there's no such place stop it but then archie does a sacrifice fly to run a guy in yeah and, uh, you know, he gives Ray a look and you're like, yay. The next day, Mark shows up and he walks straight through the game. Yes. One, of the, one of the ghosts gets so upset because he upset a pitch that he goes after the dude. I would like to know what would have happened had he gotten a hold of Mark. Would he just yeah. start being flung around the field going, what's happening to me? Mark would just think an invisible man was beating the shit out of him. <laughs> But Mark has come back to say, you need to sell the farm. You have to do it. Yeah. And I've brought paperwork for you to do it. And then Karen says, don't worry, people will show up. And he's like, Karen, shut the fuck up. Shut you your guys stupid so child mouth. Bankruptcy. And she's like, no, people will show up. <laughs> they'll just want to come to Iowa and it'll be boring. And they'll come here and they'll give us money. Mark's like, what the fuck? is happening and then terrence man stands up and delivers the monologue that only james earl jones can give yes yes and it's about baseball and nostalgia and people america america but not in a like yippee america's great kind of way in a 
you know. And uh, America's great because we have baseball kind of way. No, no. He never really says that America is great. He says America has been built and torn and erased. Yeah. Right? Baseball but, has been there all through it. Baseball mm-hmm. has marked the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's part of our history. And he says, people are going to show up, Ray. And I hope you have enough food because, oh, boy. <laughs> They're showing up. And parking. Ray, Ray has a moment where he looks out onto the field. All the players are staring at him. Um, you know, Shoeless Joe gets down in his his ready position of someone at bat. You know, and he tells Mark, "No, I'm not going to sign it." Mark goes into a rage and throws Karen off. Of the thing. No, Mark, <laughs> intentionally tries to murder his niece. Yeah, no. The niece says something. No. He picks her up, saying, "And you're turning your your daughter into a psychopath." Ray tries to get her out of his arms, and in the scuffle, she falls. Yeah, she and falls. It's the ground, and she falls up. eight whole feet. Oh my God! I hope she's okay. She has a hot dog lodged in her. She has a, yeah. She she's, she has a hot dog in her mouth, and she's choking to death. And and oh, everybody turns and looks at little Archie, little Archie no, Graham. Not everybody, because he's like no. only Ray know, does. Only Ray that's looks. That's true. Up. Yeah, and Archie's and he, like oh. He runs okay. up because we've established with Shula's Joe, they run up right to the edge of the playing field. They can't leave the but field. They, yeah. But they don't leave it. I don't know if they can't or they just won't because well, the true. minute they'll turn into oh, skeletons. Archie, Archie runs. <laughs> Archie runs up and uh, drops his mitt. And when he steps off the field, he turns into his older self. He's Burt Lancaster yes. again. Yeah. Yeah. And he shows up. Still a ghost. Still a ghost. <laughs> but yeah. But a doctor ghost now. Comes up. This is just a tiny thing that I'm going to mention because he's an old timey doctor from the 1970s. Mm-hmm. He doesn't deliver the Heimlich maneuver because he wouldn't know it. That's true. He just hits her on the back. Yep. And she coughs yep. it up. And then Ray realizes that he can't go back. Yeah. That, you know, he did it. He walks back onto the field. All the guys say bye. He says, one yeah. one for me. Mark suddenly sees all the players and starts having his existential crisis. <laughs> where do all these get, people come from? We don't get to see. He's like, where do all these no. people come from? <laughs> yeah, Mark, Mark just gets let off. He just gets let off into the wings because it's not about Mark. It's not about Mark. <laughs> We don't see him in a closet with a shotgun in his mouth going <laughs> <laughs> trembling, praying for the strength. No, it doesn't happen. Nope. She, she takes him inside to go get a cold drink. Um, and, uh, you know, doc goes out off into the corn disappears and then everyone decides, okay, that's been pretty eventful. Yeah. We'll see you later. We'll see you later. Except, Hey, uh, we want Terry to come with us. Ray gets, yeah. a, Ray gets a little upset because he's like, what's in it for me? God, I yeah. want to go comes I don't there. get to go. Yeah. And he's like, did you do this for yourself? And they're like, you better stay here. And that's about as upset as he gets, right? Yeah. A, because after he talks to Terrence and Terrence says, I'm going to, first of all, he lied because when he first met him, he lied. He said he never gave an interview about Ebbets Field. Then right. he said, I lied. You know, he's telling him I lied. They have this little exchange. And then, you know, Ray's like, I want a full report after you come back from heaven. Okay. <laughs> We're kind of underselling what's happening here, but yes. You're walking off into heaven. And he's and like, then you're okay. going to be allowed to come back and tell people about it. That's right. <laughs> so he walks off. He has the greatest little scene, this little acting yeah. scene of his. 
when he's like he comes right up to the wall of corn where everyone walks in to disappear where he's you know legitimately a little cautious but when he walks in he's laughing he's which giggling is yeah yeah and they're like okay well we don't know if he's coming back probably will and as they're leaving Sheila joe is staring at him creepily yeah giving him a weird creepy smile yep ray's yeah. like what the fuck are you smiling at you fucking creep i seen your wife naked what <laughs> <laughs> wait a you minute guys- you guys are constantly doing it every get some curtains ray if you don't want us to look <laughs> <laughs> we came out and we came out one time to play baseball and the two of you were on first base going at it you were on first base <laughs> yeah no but he's like what are you smiling at you ghost mm-hmm. and shoeless joe says significantly if you build it he will come and then casts a glance over to home plate where the catcher is taking off his gear and turns around and oh my god the catcher <gasps> is ray's father yep it's his can, daddy but as a young man yeah as a young man comes up meets karen meets annie uh doesn't seem to verbalize or know that ray is his son does it well yeah at least not at that point no he says hi he says thanks for building the field um and he goes, come on, let's get the kid out. They leave. And so Ray gets to talk to him for a little while. He says, hey, is this place heaven? And then the answer is no, it's Iowa. He Then Ray looks around, sees his, his wife and his kid up there on the porch swing. He can see on the second floor Mark's body slowly rocking back and forth from a beam. <laughs> and he says, maybe this is heaven. Maybe it is heaven. <laughs> and... Uh, He's like, well, it's good meeting you. They shake hands. And as his dad's walking away, he says, he says with a breaking voice, he dad, you want to have a catch? And he goes, yep. And they start playing catch. And he turns on the lights onto the field. Grown men are trying to hide the fact are that weeping? they're crying. <laughs> Just something in my eye. And then as they're panning around, the two of them playing catch, we have a helicopter shot where we see just a string of pissed off locals who said, K, come out. It'll be a great time if you just park on this street. <laughs> no, sorry. It's just a line of cars, right? Yep. Which sets it up for what the hell happens at this point. There's no parking. <laughs> Not enough for that many people. And then the movie is the end. It's it's the magic of movies. It's the end, and we don't need to worry about it. Nope, we don't. So, Steve. It, I'm sure it worked itself out. Yes, my friend. How do you feel about this uh baseball movie that's also about other stuff uh mm-hmm. you know we, we 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 get three kinds of baseball movies it seems like yeah we get the biopic about an individual about a yeah we get the made-up shit like the natural the natural or it's or it's like a gilgamesh epic <laughs> it's a myth yeah absolutely but other than like angels in the outfield which is the only thing that i can think of that comes even or maybe damn yankees which is a musical yeah this is baseball as a religion this is yeah yeah for sure you know this is i mean it's not like and at the very end it says join baseballia and then you know you go to your local park um, but this is the most supernatural yeah. baseball, and there are other supernatural the two that I mentioned. There are other yeah. supernatural baseball movies. Steve, how do you feel about this thing that would normally be pretty hokey, except yeah. it's so fucking genuine 
that you wind up crying while watching it. Yeah. How do you feel about Field of Dreams? Well, for anybody who thinks that I don't like feel good movies and happy endings, stick this one up your ass. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is you, you actually you, you just touched on it a minute ago. This is one of those movies and we've reviewed a few of these over the years it, that works even though it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it is it's very sentimental it's ludicrous um it it uses its soundtrack and its use of voiceover and the just the, the wholesome nostalgic simplistic optimism that pervades mm-hmm. it um and it comes dangerously close to pandering oh but boy do they avoid it well it's uh, so it was, skillful at avoiding yeah. it yeah Oh, absolutely. And so despite all of that, it, I mean, it works and it gets me like it really, it really gets me. I, I tear up at the ending pretty much every time I watch it and I've watched it. I don't even know how many times. And you, you touched on this a little bit as well when you said it treats baseball as a religion. The genius of this movie to me is how it manages to be a movie about baseball without literally being about baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few scenes of people playing baseball in it. Like there is baseball stuff in the movie, but they don't account for that much of the running time. And there's no typical sports movie stuff in it. You know, there's nope. not a pennant chase. There's not a big game nope. that the team has to win. It's not so yeah. much a movie about baseball as it is a movie about how we feel about baseball. It's not about competition. It's not about... no. Who wins, no, who it's, about, it's about yeah, the it's about the joy a, of just playing yeah. baseball. It's about That's what it. baseball means to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, if you can see past the baseball stuff in the movie to comprehend what it all means underneath, I think potentially, not for everybody, certainly, but potentially this movie is accessible to people, even if they aren't baseball super fans. The box yes, obviously. Proved it. The box. That's true. Proved it. That's true. Not all those people who went to see it were baseball fanatics, um, as <laughs> as the box office receipts have shown over the past several decades. There are fewer and fewer baseball fans around. The fact um, that that dopey but, field still exists, the simple fact that that place still exists and has expanded, yeah, um, since then is proof. Of yeah, that. yeah. Um, so i mean obviously if you are a baseball fan you'll you'll get a lot out of the movie that you wouldn't get if you weren't a baseball fan and, and baseball fans um seem to love it the most and feel the mm-hmm. strongest connection to it i mean i know i certainly wouldn't love the movie as much as i do if i wasn't also a baseball fan mm-hmm. but then again this movie came out when i was nine years old yeah I've loved this movie since I was a little kid. And maybe if I didn't love this movie so much, I wouldn't love baseball as much either. Like, I don't know. Um, or wouldn't love baseball in the way that I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because for all the characters in this movie who love it, and which is most of the major characters, baseball isn't just a game. Baseball stands for something else. Ray doesn't just build the baseball diamond in his cornfield because he loves baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, he and he doesn't just do it because a voice tells him to either. He does it because, as he says, after when he's talking to Annie after it's finished, he says, "I he wants to do something spontaneous. He wants to do mm-hmm. something illogical. He wants to do something that is grand and beautiful. Something that shows that he believes in things beyond himself." He's that scared he believes, that he's turning into his father. He says it. Yeah, out loud. he says yeah. it, he says my father never did a single spontaneous thing 
his whole life. And I don't mm-hmm. want that to be me. Um, it, it shows that he believes in things that transcend the literal and the physical. And, and that's mm-hmm. and that's what baseball means to him at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And then for Terrence Mann, it's about the rejuvenation of that idealism that he lost back in the 60s. It's about mm-hmm. America as it could be and as it should be and as it was in the times when it did live up to its promise, when mm-hmm. it did try to be better. It's about creating community and uniting people and including people. Um, for, for Shoeless Joe, it's, it's about redemption and immortality. He and the other Black Sox players get to walk out of the corn and play the game they were forbidden to play and once again live and do the thing that they loved. And Ray tells them, you're all welcome here. He has you that know, line, he yeah. that great line in his monologue talking about, you know, playing. And he said, you know, he was he would have played for food money. Yeah. It's he, yeah. At the end of that monologue, he, he would have done it for free. I would have done it right. for nothing. Yeah. 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 And he, he compares it to having a, an amputated it's, limb. You know, he yeah. says, I, I would wake up at night and I could smell the ballpark, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Ray tell, Ray is not judgmental toward their mistakes. You know, he says, I built this for you and you're welcome here and you can come here and play whatever you want. And um, for Moonlight Graham, it's two things at once because we see different versions of him. For Moonlight Graham, it's both a young man's dreams and also an old man's regrets mm-hmm. because we see him on both really sides. But he doesn't really have them. He doesn't well, that, really yeah, have yeah. regrets. Well, yeah. because the thing, the thing that he says is, um, well, he, he reminds us that dreams are important but that it's also possible to move on when they don't come true, mm-hmm. um, which is, I think, a nice thing, a nice note for this movie to have, because otherwise yeah. it's completely the opposite. Otherwise, it's all wish fulfillment. Yeah. Um, but Doc Graham is there to say, look, my dream didn't come true and I'm OK. You know, mm-hmm. um, that, that great line that Ray says, you know, that we mentioned before, you know, Ray says you played in the majors for five minutes and, you know, it would kill most people to get that close to their dream and not actually get to touch it. And, you know, people would think that was a tragedy. And Doc says, if I'd only gotten to be a doctor for five minutes, that would be a tragedy. Um, even this movie wants us to know that there are more important things than baseball. Mm-hmm. It, do- it doesn't spend a lot of time telling us that, <laughs> but that is part of what it is telling us through well, ultimately, the character of Doc. The whole point of the movie is not about bringing Shoeless Joe back because you start no. getting the idea, especially with his last lines when he says, it was you, when Ray says it was you. The voice, yeah. The voice. And it was him. Um, it was Shoeless Joe doing this for, for Ray and for John Kinsella. For, the those two people it was ultimately yeah. not about baseball or bringing things back i mean ultimately there is a bigger scope to what's going on here right yeah. because lots of people are going to be coming but it's a ultimately it's not about baseball it's about um son being getting a chance to reconnect with a father i mean we, they made mm-hmm. it really clear that ray has a deep regret that isn't yes. the Booged on us at the beginning. It comes out gradually as he's talking to Terrence Mann and mm-hmm. and all this other stuff. Um, that he has a regret yeah. of where he left things with his dad, right? Yeah. But that's what the the movie's about, right? And 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 in the end, there it comes back to Ray. Yeah. And at the end of the movie, for Ray, baseball is that bridge that connects him to his father, mm-hmm. um, to the father that he remembers and to the father that he never got the chance to know because he meets his father at the end as, as a much, much younger man than he ever knew him. 
Mm-hmm. And 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 baseball being the bridge is true both figuratively and literally because the movie ends yeah. with them playing catch. So a baseball, a literal baseball tossed back and forth is the medium that connects them to each other mm-hmm. um, across the distance on the field and across time and even across death. So, yeah, I mean, it's a great movie. I I don't there's there's no other way I could describe it. It's a great movie. It's got mm-hmm. great performances. Um, Costner is great. James Earl Jones is great. Ray Liotta is probably nothing at all like the real Shoeless Joe. No, but I don't care. Uh-huh. Um, he gives a fascinating, reserved, slightly haunted performance that I've always mm-hmm. loved. The movie is very well paced. It's an hour and three quarters long. It doesn't waste any time. Ray hears the voice for the first time in the first scene. He's got that field up by the 15 minute mark. He's out there yep. playing ball with Shoeless Joe by the 20 minute mark. It's like, mm-hmm. fuck yes, let's get this show on the road. Then you're like, um, damn, this ended fast. And then yeah, you know, holy shit, he's out there, there playing is... with Shoeless Joe already. And that's when it drops more things on him. Yeah, right. you realize that, oh, it's not going to just be about this. Mm-hmm. This is just the first part. Mm-hmm. Um, the score by James Horner is gorgeous. It's one of mm-hmm. my favorite James Horner scores. He James Horners the shit out of it. Um, even if you are not already moved by the scene at the end with Ray and his dad playing catch, when that James Horner score kicks in, buddy, uh. if unless you're made out of stone, I just, I mean, it fucking gets you. It's like if the if you're not already moved, the score grabs a hold of you and smacks you around. It's a fucking cry. It's if you're a man in the United States who has ever played catch with your father. Oh my god, yeah, you're a wreck by the end of the movie, especially if you had lost your father. Because you know, you know how it feels, and you know what it means. And you know how simple it is. Playing catch with someone is the easiest thing in the world to do. There are mm-hmm. no rules. There's no end point. You play catch until you're done playing catch. Yep. And and it's it's just the most simple and most beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And and it's given and it's presented in this movie as this incredibly meaningful act that is shared between two people. Mm-hmm. And, because and playing yeah, catch it, is a is a shared act. In yeah. the beginning, in the beginning of the movie, when he's playing with Shoeless Joe, they don't play catch. No, they don't. No, he no, hits some. Don't. He hits some dingers out to him for him to catch, and then he throws a pitch. Their adversarial relationship, not like they're gonna hit each other, but it's very much. But it's yeah, they're they're yeah. they're taking on roles from a baseball game. Yeah, whereas mm-hmm. catch, yeah, catch is never adversarial. Because no. even when you play it in the context of like a baseball game, it's a warm up. It's cooperative. You are getting each other ready for the game. Mm-hmm. It's you know? how you break so, in a new mitt. It's how you it, do yeah. all of that stuff. It's the most cooperative form mm-hmm. of baseball that there is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it it's it's a well told modern fairy tale mm-hmm. um, about baseball, about why we love baseball, about what we mean when we say we love baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the things that that touches in our lives. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I don't. I highly recommend it. I, <laughs> it's a, it's a great movie. I love it. Your turn. Yay! So in the big book of the religion of baseball, this is the book of Ray, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, let's just face fact. It, it does. It is a little bit like a parable from the Bible. Dudes just out sure. doing whatever, and then an angelic voice says something to him. 
and he does everything that the voice tells him to do. That's a Bible story, right? Even if he's yeah. conflicted or whatever else, he does all of this stuff. It's more personal, but there is a bigger, there are two big things. There's Ray's story and then the bigger picture. What is he building and what what is this place going to become, mm-hmm. right? And we get that at the very last act, right? With Karen going, people are going to show up, daddy. I don't know what you're talking about. You just didn't do this for yourself, you selfish bastard. This is for other people too. And, you know, and then Terrence confirms that. Yeah, He's like, people are going to come to Iowa and they're not even going to know why they're doing it. And they're just going to hand you money because what is the great line? He says, it's peace they want, right? And money they have. And money they have. <laughs> and they're just going to hand them over the money and they're going to come out and they're going to cheer on their heroes. Um, someone once said, hey, how come you don't have any black players? I read a review. They're complaining about black players on the team. And there's a couple of reasons for that. And number one, most of the most famous black players were still alive. They True. were all still alive. True. That's how that's how late they were with integrating baseball. Um, I would have liked it to see the Negro Leagues show up and they get a chance to play each other. That would be great. But that wasn't the point of the movie. The point of the movie was the you know the Black Sox giving them a chance to redeem themselves, yeah. right? Um, but overall, this movie works on two levels. There's the the macro level. He's going to lose his farm. No, no, don't worry. You're going to become like a Disneyland for people who want to watch, you know, <laughs> dead people play baseball. And it's like, oh, yay. We'll make a fortune. There's the macro level. What does this game mean to people, right? What has this game meant to people in the past? What has it meant to the players you know, what does it mean to Shoeless Joe? And ultimately, what we don't really get is what does it mean to Ray? And to Ray, he's doing these all of this stuff, building it, you know, plowing over his field, he's doing all this stuff. And Terrence suggests that it's penance. He's, he feels yeah. guilty for what he said to his father and never got a chance to take back, you know? Um, what's great about this movie is that it establishes relationships, but it also gets you to want things that you didn't know you wanted until they present the thing, right? His dad being there, we should anticipate it, right? We Mm -hmm. should. But I remember the first time I watched this and I went, oh no, it's his dad. (laughs) It it hits you. It comes out of nowhere. You're like, oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) It hits you hard and they trick you. (laughs) Excuse me. Because they show you a, a catcher, right? earlier on and then when they cut to the guy taking off he's a catcher and so Mm -hmm. you wouldn't see his face you wouldn't see any of that stuff and it comes i wouldn't say it comes directly out of right field you should probably be expecting something but ultimately the point of the movie is raise getting an ability getting the opportunity to reconnect with his father and this didn't have anything to do with shoeless joe if anything they make it clear that shoeless joe was directing this so that this could happen Mm -hmm. right and for i guess some larger reason because all these people are showing up to find comfort and to you know cheer on their heroes from when they were kids right um i always wondered geez what does the world look like after this with after yeah the, this, this is movie? a pretty seismic event this is like a huge event i mean okay there is an ghosts. afterlife we have communication with it ghosts <laughs> can come back apparently just to this one place this one in place Iowa. and, and also base- that town in minnesota where doc was from but now nah, don't think too hard about that uh, yeah yeah what is the book that terrence is going to write when yeah, he comes oh my back? god when he comes back from mm-hmm. the cornfield hey, he comes back from baseball heaven <laughs> he comes back from the afterlife to and he says oh it. ty cobb wasn't there mm. thank god yeah yeah 
they kept pointing me to a place where there's smoke, but I wasn't going over there. That's <laughs> I would I didn't want to interview Tycom that bit. <laughs> but this is this is baseball as a parable. This is the parable mm. of Ray. And you know, ultimately what works in this movie is that everything feels emotionally correct, right? Yes. Ray isn't like a huge baseball fanatic. It's not like he has pennants and stuff all over the place. He likes baseball. Yeah. He shares his love of baseball with his daughter, who also seems to like baseball. But, I mean, there's that great scene where baseball is on the TV and no one's watching it. It's just on in the background. Yeah. I've done that plenty of times because, like I've, I've said this before, I don't like watching baseball on television. I like listening to it on the radio. You know, and I like going to live games, but I've there's been plenty of times where I've turned it on the TV and just walked away. So long yeah, as I can hear too. it. So long Absolutely. as I can hear it. I don't need to be glued to the to the chair. And so he doesn't come off as like this huge baseball fucking weirdo. They also yeah. saved a lot of time by giving him a wife that's kind of like, okay, my husband's hearing things, but that's cool. If he needs to do this. You know, good, let's do it. Some of the traditional conflicts that you would normally set up in a movie like this aren't there, right? The people right. don't believe them. Honestly, they have every reason to believe that the whole family has gone fucking nuts. And because it's, they sure. all get to, they all get to see it, right? I love, James Earl Jones is so fucking great in this movie. Yeah. And that's the other thing is that aside from John Kinsella, who is okay. But at that point, it could have been a, an orangutan taking off that yeah. thing, and you'd be like, it's his, it's his orangutan father. Oh my god, he does he does fine. It's not he like does, a, he's, it's not like a performance for the ages, but he does fine. He's fine, um, you know, and he's not some guy with a huge booming voice or you know you know anything like that. He's kind of soft spoken and and grateful and. You know, he gets you know, one of the things that, you know, Ray wanted was for him to meet his wife and his his granddaughter. He gets to do that. You know, you get this this kind of fulfillment of that. You get you get Ray telling him that, it, you know, this place is heaven. I mean, Jesus Christ, you have a woman that fucks you 17 times a day. You got a you got a daughter that loves baseball. Your dad's back. You, yeah, you, this you, is best case scenario, buddy. You, Enjoy you, this. You pitch <laughs> You pitched a shoeless Joe Jackson. Your new best friend is an author you admired from the 1960s. <laughs> Just shut up and be happy. Just enjoy your life. Yeah, your brother-in-law is hanging from a beam on the second floor. <laughs> your brother-in-law is dead by his own hand. Come on, man, live it up. That or he's naked screaming, everyone has to go to the ballpark. Maybe your mother-in-law will be so distraught she'll die of grief. Then you'll have it made, bud. You'll have it made. But it's great. You know, there are there are things that are in the movie that are played well, that they're not over-dramatized. Like that time when he's, he's calling her on the phone and she's like lying to him. She's like, no, everything's right, fine. About the house. Yeah. And she turns around and there's these three fucking suit apes standing there with Mark. You know, why didn't you tell him that we're going to ruin your whole life? And she's <laughs> like, mm, I didn't feel like it. Shut up. Tell him when he gets um, home. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, they resolve that in a beautiful scene that ties up fucking Moonlight Graham's story arc. Mm -hmm. And and Mark's story arc because that's when Mark sees yeah. everything and he I love that he's like don't sell the farm right <laughs> <He's> yeah <like> <laughs> <laughs> which is the reaction that 
<laughs> that Ray and Annie had when they first saw the baseball players. Like, well, we've got to mm-hmm. keep this field. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, it. I mean, I know that your favorite is The Natural, which I love, which I do love. Yes. But this is the movie that I watch on a regular basis, like one, yeah. maybe once every five years. The Natural is great. Don't get me wrong. I do like The Natural. But this is the one that emotionally impacts me, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Roy is great in The Natural, and you're, you get involved in that storyline, and it's very mythic and epic. Um, but, you know, I am happy for him that, you know, he's on a farm. And, you know, his, and the, yeah. the, natural, the Natural also ends with people playing catch. Yep, yep, it does. Yep, you know, it does. But it's much easier to make a, a close emotional connection with the ending of Field of Dreams because it's a, you know, it's it's, it's not, about more than baseball. Yeah. It's, it's about, about more than baseball. More. And it's about things that, you know, the 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 relationship between Roy and his son in the natural is not really the the heart of that movie. Whereas no. the father-son thing is, although we don't always realize it, it comes to be apparent that that is the central thread in yeah. Field of dreams yeah so yeah recommend highly recommend me to recommend okay steve now it's time for you to not recommend something go ahead and not recommend something i'm just gonna get right to it you know why because field of dreams gets right to it and that's part of the secret of what makes it work <laughs> so i'm not going to tease this out i'm just going to mm-hmm. tell you that the movie i am not recommending is the 1994 remake of angels in the outfield no because it's sentimental garbage yes, it is <laughs> it's it is it is it is everything that field of dreams should be but avoids being because it's better than that you mean but it's, like if yeah. it's everything that the original movie was is that it isn't it's like they yeah. went, let's go overboard exactly it is so schmaltzy and so cloying it's about it's about the the angels at at the time i believe they were still called the california angels Mm -hmm. um and they're a major league team and they're having a rotten season but then they start getting help from angels Mm -hmm. including christopher lloyd at his schmaltzy worst (laughs) like christopher lloyd is one of those guys like if you put him in a movie for grown-ups he's fucking fantastic Mm-hmm. If you put him in a movie for kids, you'll want to stick your head in an oven within 10 minutes. <laughs> he's he's just there's something about uh. the, way, the way he pitches his performance to kids when he's when he's that softer, you know, sort of twinkle in the eye, smiling version of himself. And you're just like, mm-hmm. oh, please don't make a movie for grownups again, please. Um, and, I mean, and Danny Glover is the same way. Fantastic actor. But it's there's something about when you get into that family movie mode and you're this soft, smiling guy, and it's just like, oh, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some please let somebody say a cuss word or something. Um Christopher Lloyd is my was my second pick if they when they remade Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, for there were for two Willy Wonka, people yeah. that I wanted to play Willy Wonka. My first choice was Christopher Walken. Oh my god, yes. And my second now, choice yeah. was Christopher Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd. I can totally see that. Not totally Johnny see that. Depp. <laughs> see, this is something we can agree on that we dislike <laughs> Johnny Depp for. Um <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's it's a lot of good actors. In the movie, I mean, it's yeah. the ones I just mentioned. Tony Danza is again. Tony Danza in the right role is a terrific actor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a very, a very, very young Joseph Gordon-Levitt, just a wee little boy, a, a little yeah. babe of a child. Jo- you Joseph can't, hold, you can't hold the movie against him. No, no, he grew into a fine actor. I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's just a rotten movie. It's just, it's, it's every 
lousy cliche about Disney movies that you've ever heard that makes people not like Disney movies in this movie. Like it's, it's like if, 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 if you want to show people, okay, no, I, yeah, I, I get that Disney is like a big famous successful company, but you know, here, here's like every trope that made me hate Disney movies when I was a teenager <laughs> in one movie, the schmaltzy sentimental bullshit, pandering, cloying, super, super sweet, you know, uh, it, let's, make everybody feel good and have a happy ending or die trying kind of thing. Mm. Um, it's just a rotten movie. So it's the opposite of Field of Dreams. The yeah. 1994 remake of Angels in the Outfield. I do not recommend. Yay. As you guys know, I like to not recommend a movie from the same year as the movie that we just reviewed. And it's 1989. And I, as we both mentioned, this was Burt Lancaster's last film. And he went out with style that night. Oh, oh boy, he did. Boy. He's... If we haven't said it, he's great in this movie. He's great in general. You know, he's still kind of an old school actor, but he's it is in a way that you just fall in love with him. Almost absolutely. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. Well, this year also featured the last the last appearance of a movie icon, and that was Betty Davis. Uh oh. And she didn't know this was going to be her last movie. The movie that she made was Wicked Stepmother. Never heard of it? Good. Because <laughs> she walked out of the, of the production at some point. They got her, they filmed her, and then she said, fuck this, and left. She didn't know this was going to be her last movie. I wish she had, or she would have allowed Whales of August to be her last movie. But no, she. I guess she liked money. And this is one of the most wretched things I have ever watched. I've seen it once in 1989, and I went, wow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, you know, when she left, they had to scramble, and they gave a, most of her stuff to a much younger woman, so the script didn't make sense. It wasn't funny. It's about witches, and she was a witch, and she's, like, in it at the beginning and in it at the end, and she's a billion years old. Um, and it was it's just lousy. It's not funny. It's not interesting. It's not anything. But it was her last movie. You don't need to see it. If you want to see Betty, as far as I'm concerned, Betty Davis's last film, watch Wales of August. Don't watch this because it's bad. It's like, hey, let's make a Disney film, the Disney live action film, except just fuck it up beyond all recognition. And someone's <laughs> like, but don't Disney film, don't fuck it up. Disney live action films from the late eighties suck already. Yeah, but we can make suck more. And that's what this is. It's about fucking witches and bullshit. And it's not good. So don't, if you see it and you're like, Oh, Betty Davis, don't, don't no, do okay. it. Stay away. Wicked stepmother. Hey, Steve. Yes. My friend. Guess what time it is? Oh, is it time for me to make a terrible choice? That's right, buddy boy. It's time for you to make a terrible choice. It's time for you to be a man. Step up to the plate. I got this. I got this. As longtime listeners know, now is the time that Steve must choose the next movie we're going to review. He has three choices. He doesn't know what these movies are. I have not told him. And he has A, B, or C to choose from. I will say this. All three of these movies have a great reputation. And Ooh. all three of these movies are westerns, kind of. Oh boy, of. kind. Okay, westerns. One kind of them. Of. One of them is kind of. Okay. Okay. So, Steve, please choose A, B, or C. I choose A. 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 Okay. 
Hey. We were going to have to do it at some point. Oh, boy. Had, had you chosen B, this is the kind of, we would have reviewed. I'm still pissed off because this is not the first time that this has been in here. We oh, would have watched and reviewed No Country for Old Men. Oh. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to watch it again because I probably <laughs> will. Um, but It's a good movie. But you didn't choose B. Had you chosen C, we would have watched the classic High Noon. Ooh, there you yeah, go. I know, I know. There but you, you chose A, maybe one of the most influential as it was leading into a new decade of Westerns. This is maybe one of the most influential. It may be the only performance from this actor that I really, really like, aside from one or two other Westerns. Mm-hmm. The movie we're going to watch and review is the John Ford classic, The Searchers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, John Wayne and a whole bunch of other people. The other ones that I mentioned is True, True <laughs> John Grit. John Wayne and a bunch of other people. <laughs> True Grit with John Wayne, the original True Grit. Oh, although, yes. That's a great one, yeah. Although the remake I watch on a... I, I think I watch Oh, yeah, the Jeff Bridges one, the Coen Brothers. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm, oh, that's the Coen fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if you guys want to get all the jokes, then please watch The Searchers. I don't think you're going to have any trouble finding it. And that's it. Thanks, guys, for uh, listening in once again for Late Seating. This is Jason Harding. I'm going to see a movie this week. And this is Steve Shives. Remember, everybody, people will come. Is that it? Yeah. Where are they, where are they going? That's, that's that. Oh, that's not how I meant it. Ew, you meant it in the porn way? <laughs> porn way. <laughs> you meant it in the porn way. We're really going to end the show about baseball that makes men cry. First of all, I don't know why you... I don't know why you jump straight to porn, okay? People because have sex you. in context other than porn. You know, what about people just in their own lives? Well, just come? Just spontaneously. You know, how, how did you mean it then, it's Steve? Ba- it's, it's bound to happen I'm one way your, or another. I'm putting your feet to the fire. How did you mean it? People will come. To church? What are you talking about? <laughs> we are recording this on Easter, so it's, you know, know, for sunrise service, they've already been there. Mm-hmm. You know? There's stuff full no, of that. Ham and deviled eggs and yeah, maybe probably won't feel much yams. like having sex. You know, they'll be too weighed down with food. Yeah, you you've, know. you're not a member of my family. <laughs> yeah. Once we're done eating, we clear out. I don't care Our, how uncomfortable it is. We're doing it. We're doing it tonight. <laughs> upstairs, backyard, basement, wherever. If you're in a couple, just leave. You leave a bunch of confused kids who don't give a shit because they're eating all of their candy. They're just hey. cramming it in their own. Great. Cadbury eggs. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, Grandpa stands up and he says, all right, let's get to it. <laughs> let's get to it. <laughs> Happy Easter. Is that how you meant it, Steve? Is that how you that, meant it? That's exactly how I meant it. No, uh, I was kind of, you know, you see, you, you forced me to, to nail it down here. Yeah, I, I was kind of hoping to just leave it ambiguous, you know, it Why? Was like, it's like an, it's an innuendo. If you if you lead people right to it, then it, it loses its its charm, you know. It's, it? it's 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 an impish suggestive kind of thing you know and here you come in saying like no literally what did you mean and it's like oh, okay i guess i guess i have to tell everybody i meant having orgasms okay there okay i knew it was about having okay orgasms. it was the calm yes it was it was a sex thing yes okay that's how i meant thing. it you but know, I was I'm, hoping that people could cross that last little boundary themselves it would be more satisfying which would be appropriate come you no. really think our, our listeners are going to pat themselves on their back because they got your weird sex joke about a I, baseball movie? 
Well, that's the whole idea. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I kind of took you. I took the wind out of your sails. No, it's fine. You, you do know, all the time. Were, it's fine. I know. I can't help it because you're <laughs> you're, a, you're a creepy weirdo who wanted to it's end fine. the show. On, you on always or, ruin it. It is what it Joe. is. It's fine. You know. I always have to overanalyze things, and it's not you that do. hard with you. You do. And... You you, an, you overanalyze. You're like, where are the people going to park? Like, who fucking cares? You know, like. I don't even think we made that joke here. I think that's pre-show. I <laughs> or did we? I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, I think we. I know we mentioned it, but yeah, it's like you know, just let it, just fucking let it be what it is, man. You know. Does that work in court for you? <laughs> that's that's my defense, man. Just just let it be what it is. Yeah. You burned down his house, Mister Shaft. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Whatever. It's done. Who cares? <laughs> you send him to jail. Going to build his house back? No. Like, what's uh. the point? What are we even doing here? I've got wrestling to watch and stuff. I Can Monday, I just it's leave? Fun, it's Wednesday night. I always watch wrestling Wednesday night. And you motherfuckers know this. I told you. You're my lawyer. I, to I know I told you. Did you not tell him it's Wednesday? What? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what? He's just got his head down. He's like, well, yeah. Can you please get your client under control? I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. Can't. I, I can't. No. Just gotta He's let like, him run his course. First of all, I'm a public defender. I'm not being. I'm not even being paid for this. Does he know he's being charged with arson? Oh yeah, he he definitely does. It's a very serious charge. Mm -hmm. I've repeatedly told him. I'm not sure what else I can do here. Great. So we've turned you into a weird porny guy who wants to end our shows with porn stuff. It's wow. Like it's like working with but, Atticus. But and... listen, <laughs> I love it. But listen, let's 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 you know underline this bit. The Field of Dreams review. I made it about me, not my dad. That's true. You did. I love you? you, Dad. I love you, Dad. It's too late now. Oh, it's too late now. Never mind. It's all right, Mister Shives. I can you know as usual Monday. We'll drink a couple of beers and talk about what we're recording. Okay. We'll talk through it. Mm-hmm. I know that I am the only connection you have to your son right now. I, yeah, I know it's sad. No, well, what do we talk about? Instead of crying, what do we do? We, that's right, we shoot stuff in the backyard. We, okay? we shoot stuff. <laughs> All right, we're done. You done? Okay. We're done. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm done. That was what right. I had. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everybody. It's a good thing we didn't tell them about what you do on Halloween. Late Seating is a Let Me Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Produced by Jason Harding. Theme music, Rollin' at Five, composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. You can find more Let Me Listen podcast productions at our website at www.letmelistenpodcast.com. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, or just about anywhere you download podcasts. Late Seating is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to support Late Seating or any of the other Lemme Listen productions for as little as $1 a month, please visit our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Lemme Listen. And thanks for listening.